Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. We back, we're back, we're back, we're back. Welcome to Leafs Late Night. I'm your host, Roscoe, joined by Steph the Fanalist, Southey, and a newcomer, Chris, who we will get to in just a second. But the Leafs came out with a big win over the Tampa Bay Lightning, 4-1, to one, picking up two empty netters to just make it look even worse. Ugh, they deserved four goals, even if two of them were empty netters. With all those shots and all the chances, who knew all they had to do was get Vasilevsky out of the net? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Leafs Late Night. That's all it took. Or it's never too late for the Leafs, presented by Inside the Rink. How's everybody doing tonight? Steph, we'll start with you. I'm good. Hey, the Leafs just won 4-1 against Tampa. Redemption game, especially last time dropping the game in OT. How can you not be good right now? Oh, I know, right? Sadi, how you feeling? I mean, after one of the most complete 60-minute games of the year, I'm doing pretty good. Hard not to. And Chris, welcome to the show. How are you doing, sir? Thank you for having me. I am doing fantastic. We've got, uh, you know, taking Tampa, and then we've got Philly lined up just before the holiday break. It gives me all the warm and fuzzies right before Christmas. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Pleasure to have you. Why don't you uh, tell us how long you've been a Leafs fan? What got you into it in the first place? Ooh, I've been a Leafs fan since ooh, probably the Belfort days. Uh, I'm a bit, a little bit of a goalie guy. Little nice. Uh, nice. Jonas Gustafson jersey. There's oh, a little uh, <laughs> number fifty. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm probably one of five people that own this jersey. Uh, <laughs> bean bean um, might. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know what? I've I wasn't even much of a hockey player growing up, but I fell in love with the the atmosphere around the city and the team, and it's just become an obsession ever since. So it's not a game I really miss or a moment um whether it's off season or regular season i'm i'm tuned in i can relate to that a lot i mean i didn't grow up playing hockey or anything but as you can see behind me i've got funko pops and action figures and posters and all kinds of silly things that uh make me a maple leafs fan uh, so i uh, can can relate there um so let's let's get to the game here leafs like we said came out with a big win four to one over the lightning After two periods, the shots were 29 to 8. So that gives you an idea of how much the Leafs were in command for the first 40 minutes of this game. Of course, Tampa did all they could to come back in the end, racking up more shots than they had through the first two periods. So um, where do we start here, Steph? I think we have to start in the warm-up when Corey Perry and his infamous shot at the Leafs goal, but tonight he missed. So I think this started the whole jinx. I don't know, in my mind anyway, because you know, I hate that shit. I hate when he does that. But good on you, bud, for missing, and tonight you got nothing. So good I actually us. missed that. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you saw it, because, I mean, I had the unfortunate... Um, <clears throat> pleasure of trying to find a stream because uh it was blacked out because it's a tuesday Mm. night here in the nation's capital Mm. um yeah thanks tsn4 for making it impossible to get the game but i watched it from all the way in finland so thanks finland shout out (laughs) 
what the I, fuck? I got back in time to watch the game or to uh, to record the podcast. So uh, you're welcome, everybody. Um, thank you, uh, Air Canada, for the super quick flights. <clears throat> Said no one ever. I know, right? It's amazing. Uh, okay, so so Chris, we'll go to you here. What uh, what did you want to see coming into this game after last time against the Lightning and uh, the last two losses for the Leafs? What was on your your menu tonight? Right out of the gate, I just wanted to see the boys come to play. I just wanted to see that energy, and I think I think we know one person who definitely brought it, Michael Bunting, uh, <laughs> just really bringing it from from puck drop. Um, that's all. I, all I can ask for from the guys every night is is a level of compete. And I think you know, beginning of the season, you didn't really see it um, from game to game, and just tuned in and especially when Tampa comes to town they were tuned in ready to go and you did not see it from puck drop and I think the we can all tell the shots from the first two periods really really kind of told the story there on that case yeah and I mean even to tie into what Steph said about Perry missing that shot in the warm-up it was I I would think that's like less of a jinx and more of a tell of how off the lightning were tonight because I mean they were doing the line juggling that the Leafs do on the on the nights where nothing's working it was it was nice to see the one like after especially after I don't know if you saw the pregame but Kevin Weeks was asked you know between the Leafs and and Lightning and Bruins who he likes the best and he's I mean he said the Bruins but tonight you know I really like Tampa they've got you know that veteran presence and you know they've won and I just I just think they have it so after hearing Weeks pumping the tires of the uh, the Lightning it was nice to see them just have a really off night you know not that not that I feel good in a game where, you know, they, they weren't evenly matched per se, but like, it's nice to, to have a night where they just look off. Right. Yeah. And we know that Tampa likes to play mind games and coming into tonight, John Cooper spoke to the media and was like, I don't care what anyone says about our playoff series against the Leafs last year. They could have done either way. Fortunately went our way. They're tough games to play, but he does that all of the time. He boosts the Leafs up, tries to get into people's heads, and shit goes down on the ice. So I don't know. I'm just glad this went our way, and especially Tampa coming into tonight, five-game winning streak, not allowing more than two goals against in each game. Damn. Okay. That's pretty good. Okay. But yeah, You haven't met us yet tonight, boys. And even still. No, it was good. Even still coming into tonight, uh, even with the Leafs having lost the last two games, they're still the only team in the league. And we're at how many now games? 30 upward. Some teams have played 34 games. Um, 33. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying other teams have played 34. I'm looking at the oh. the thing. There's a couple like Vegas and, uh, and the Rangers have played 34. So uh, the Leafs are still the only team that have not lost by more than two goals. That's crazy. That is dominance. That is great goaltending. Even though Eric Shalgren has started as many games as, as both Ilya Samsonov and uh, yeah. and Matt Murray, but hey, it's great. So sorry. The, the credit has to go to with oh. Keefe and just the overall team defense. You see it uh, kind of night in and night out lately. Is just that that overall the back check of you know players like Matthews and and whatnot and even to the point where he starts you know, finally, I think, getting some some nod in the first intermission of, hey, could this guy be coach of the year? Yeah. yeah. 
Honestly, and Sadio Tassos went over to you. So before the game uh, stat came up that Sheldon Keefe is the, has the second best winning percentage of any After coach 200 ever. games. Yeah. That's um, crazy. Yeah. And like tonight was kind of the epitome of that. Like you said, Tampa Bay had an off night, but I'm not even so sure that it was as much that as the Leafs really getting into the system that Keefe has been developing here. As to Chris's point, like, all my notes are puck battles and puck support, and that's all they did tonight. The secondary support, the third support, the fourth guy was always responsible. They were always in the right spot. They won every, almost every battle along the boards, especially for the first two periods. Like They controlled the puck in a way that they really haven't so far this year. And you know, with everyone who's going out, if they keep playing that system, it doesn't really matter who's in because if they buy in, that's all that really matters right now. Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> how nice was it to have Callie Yarncroak return? I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. And have somewhat of a veteran presence on the second line. I mean, tonight is his 600th uh, NHL game, and it shows, right? It, it finally, like, we see a guy who is calm, has an awesome shot. He battled like he's fully aware of the line juggling that the Leafs have done as well and he's another guy who wants to stay in the top six and tonight I thought he did really well for being his first night back yeah that's honestly the same thing I was going to say was talking about people going out somebody coming back in Kelly Yarncroke looks like he hadn't missed a step I mean he slotted back into that second line and was fantastic tonight had tons of uh of chances and and on to, to what Sadi said too, like the, like Engvall was battling more than he ever has and, and him and Kerfoot were generating a lot of chances. Um, we had uh, like Matthews and, and Marner with tons of takeaways whenever Tampa was able to get the puck. Like they just controlled the neutral zone like crazy, which is honestly the opposite of what we saw against the Rangers where they couldn't get through at all. So it was really, really nice to see. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Sudley. Uh, the Leafs were toe-to-toe with Tampa, just kind of like the playoff series in Game 1, for example, where they yeah. really dominated in the 5 nothing win. And tonight, they won all the puck battles, majority of them. They had awesome sticks. I cannot emphasize mm-hmm. the usage of their sticks tonight. Lily, Sandine, Yarncroke, not even just crushing bodies, but just the small poke check out front to loosen the puck and and make the play go the other way that made a world of wonders tonight and even Ingval, man that guy has a long long twig right like you might as well use that right yeah when you have like and i mean good sticks support, except for that and like ice position no, and, and when we start doing that it's really really hard to close the gaps for the other team like there's no room for them whatsoever i think that's where like a lot of the old narrative of of hits versus you know, stick checks, really, you kind of see the difference of playing the stick and, and, you know, maybe putting yourself in a position to intercept a pass or, or bat down a pass versus just going in for a hit. Meanwhile, the, the player can still make the play. There's definitely an upside to a hit, but having the Leafs with the active sticks, like you see Nylander probably gets one of the most flack out of the Leafs as far as being that physical player, but his ability to like knock down passes and, and then quickly turn it around to a, an offensive chance, which we saw, I think, on the on the first goal, right? On the four-check there, so. Yeah, man, Nylander, way to be thrown down. Who was it, Pat Maroon? Just, <laughs> I think Mike Johnson on the bench was like, that was a football tackle. I was <laughs> exactly surprised there said. was no call, right? Yeah. And then 
Nylander taking it into his own hands, you know, picking off the puck, feeding, bunting, just skating backwards, floating, waiting for that perfect pass. And damn, what a shot or what Roscoe wants to say on Twitter. What a shit, because that was something. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that was bunting who took the shot as well. Like just the, the hardness of the shot, just the heaviness. I, I was I was jaw dropped. Oh, yeah. I was like. <laughs> Even though it's funny. So though I had a uh, <clears throat> typo in that tweet and I said he took a shit to the face yesterday. <laughs> um, what's funny is that I actually waited because I wasn't sure if it was Bunting who scored or not. So I waited to send that until I confirmed that it was Bunting. So I had time right. to look it over and notice that typo and I didn't. Ugh, it makes it even worse. But yeah, it's like we talked about. Matthews is rubbing off on everybody. Like that one knee shot. Everyone's been pulling it off now. It's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah so it's nice. pretty impressive. Way to clap back after, you know, somewhat of a difficult first half of the period. The first shot on net wasn't till five minutes in for, from Nylander. And the Leafs were just finding their footing, but not losing the pace at the game at the same time, in my opinion. And then they overcame in the end. And that first goal, we really needed that for our momentum and to get, you know, just going in general. And the commentators would not shut the fuck up about the stats about... <laughs> Tampa getting the first goal and then being 15 and three on the season, yada yada. Then the Leafs scored. I'm like, ha ha, we're 12 three and three, bitches. Yeah, so take that. I should have watched the American stream since I was streaming it anyway, because then I would have heard all about the Leafs instead of all about Tampa all night. Yeah, and Ugh. anytime like you play against Tampa, that's a whole vasty effect too. So if you can get the first goal on them, that really really helps your momentum and like your mindset as a team playing against them because. As you've seen tonight, like we probably should have had about seven, six goals. But yeah, if you can get one, you know, pass them before they can get one on you, then you're in great shape. Yeah, honestly. Um, one other thing that I have to point out, we're talking about checks and everything. Uh, did anybody notice Tavares throw two hits on one shift back to back there? I forget who it was on. It was the first or second line of Tampa, but uh, they were coming down into the Leafs end and uh, Tavares checked one of them into the boards and then continued around behind the net and hit the other one behind the net. I'm like, yes, buddy. I did see that. Checked fantasy. I'm like, yes, credited with two hits. Let's go. (laughs) I think I'm just so used to Tavares being a ward course that I don't even notice it anymore. I'm just like, yeah, that's him. Like, that's just what he does. He's always on the boards going crazy. But something I noticed... Yeah, yeah. And I noticed in the second period, Matthews had a really, really long shift around the boards, grinding, grinding the puck. But um, before we go on to that, this first period ended with Toronto going on the power play, once again, setting up five forwards. Um, <laughs> lots of shit goes mm-hmm. on to end this this uh, period because we had um, Marner get ran at by Belmar, which was totally uncalled for. Um, a slash from Sorelli on bunting on the hand center ice that really hurt. And all of a sudden you see the refs uh, pushing bunting off the ice. Uh, yeah. Have you ever seen a linesman throw hands like this, though? I mean, yes, Chris, I ha- watching this, have you? <laughs> it's so sad that you have, but Chris. It's usually uh, like what a, you first something more serious is happening behind the play. Then they'll be a little aggressive to get someone out of the way and go back to what's happening. But. You know, there wasn't really too, too much action happening behind the play. So that was a tiny bit egregious. 
I've seen the uh, breakable fight pin a player on the board by yeah. chance. To this level, this is almost like Instagram that I see in like a junior C hockey league out in like BC. And yeah. I mean, like fucking right? hats off to Bunting too. Like he didn't push him back. He didn't retaliate or anything like that because had he put hands on the ref, that's an automatic suspension. Yeah, Bunting said after the game he remembers that referee from the a- AHL back oh, when they used to play. And this is the same guy who concussed Mango Andreas Johnson back in 2016 when he was known as Andreas Johnson at the time. What? Yes, he was. Uh, this ref was playing for the opposing team. He hit him like dangerous, oh. dangerous hit, and he was. Uh, Janssen was on his back, stone cold, like out. He was very seriously injured after that. Oh my Korea level concussion. Really? Eh? Yeah. 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 It's it's not a pretty hit. Uh, full elbow up, like Janssen cu- cutting across the blue line. Not not a great uh, hit. There's the a best few... Scott Stevens impression. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The video's out there. Um, I'll post a link in our Discord of the video. But yeah, guys, this period sixteen to four for Toronto on the shot counter. Damn, over ten minutes between shots for Tampa. Mm-hmm. Like they were counting and then they gave up because <laughs> it was so long. Just to, I think it was over twelve minutes by the end. Um, just to go back to the re- the linesman thing for a sec, do you think we'll see any discussion about this moving forward, like tomorrow, or any anything come down from you know the, uh, the NHLPA about this? Because like I don't think they'll love this. The fact that the linesman, like like we said, like breaking up a fight is one thing, but like one on one pushing a guy past an open door like that, like it was a little dangerous, even like where he was doing it. And he kind of realized it and grabs Bunting's jersey, but like, I don't know. I feel like they'll bring it up internally, but you're not going to hear about it too, too much in the media. They'll probably want to bury it a little bit. They'll tell him like, you know, you're approaching the line. You don't want to be doing this type of thing, but I have a feeling that the the league will not want to make too big a deal about this. I saw the stat posted, uh, Chris, I believe. You you posted the little graph there. Uh, this linesman has only, what, 112 games experience in the NHL? Yeah, uh, about 10 games. I think it's 110 games, about 10 games more than Michael Bunting points. So not really, <laughs> not really much time in the NHL. Um, he did just retire in 2017, though, as an okay. AHL player. So okay. um, yeah, so I guess officiating school whatnot it it sounded like after on the broadcast i probably a an apology would be issued to michael bunting and some sort of conversation i'm sure it will make the rounds we'll hear it goes into a you know the gm meetings and that's probably the end we'll see of it but um still just an unprofessional moment from uh (laughs) from a linesman Uh, i think i ended up uh obviously we know just fast forwarding in the end of the game he messed up in icing as well and yep um, yeah. I threw out there just, uh, you know, the Angel Hernandez of uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of officials. I feel, um, yeah, I think if Bunting put hands on him, then it becomes a much bigger issue. But luckily, he had some restraint, and I think it'll just die right there. As Chris said, like, there'll be some internal talk, but that's probably about it. Guys, 100 points in 138 games for Michael Bunting. Can we just take that in for a sec? Sorry, how many? 
100 points in 138 games. Holy shit. Yeah. This is a guy coming from Arizona with an insanely high shooting percentage that no one thought he would sustain or the points in general, working his way from the bottom line. And now he's cemented on this top line with Matthews and Nylander. Like, what a story for this kid. Especially hey, it might turn out that Arizona is not a great outlier for stats because look at Timmons. He's much better here since he was there. Right? Or does Kyle Dubas know Sue Greyhounds? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, yes. The emergency uh, speed dial on his phone. Well, yeah. This is what we were saying. All he has to do is call up his buddies from there and say, hey, who should I get that I can pay very little for? And they say, hey, these guys were pretty good. Great. I'll go get them for nothing. Yep. Yep. Michael Bunting had more shots tonight than Tampa in the first period. If, so. if you want to talk about that stat, Matthews, Nylander, and Bunting had more shots than Tampa Bay did as a whole team. Woo. Wow. <laughs> Or actually, it was tied because they had 19 shots in Tampa Bay. No, they had 20 shots in Tampa Bay. had 19. Unreal. Wow. <clears throat> Man, talk about just getting out coached. So let's let's go back to that. I mean, we kind of touched on on Keith's stats and how he's second after 200 games in uh, in winning percentage. I know we've talked about this Jack Adams thing before, and it usually goes to a coach who takes a team that sucks and gets more out of them then they should um but should we start having like adding Keith into the jack adams conversation like i know we've kind of, of had this discussion but like what of course it's yeah 100 it's not gonna happen because it's the leaves but of course <laughs> i mean I you I have to look like... at go ahead Chris. oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say i think you have to look at like consistent roster turnover of oh it's it's only these core four and then a revolving door of players you know on whether it's defense or the emergence of young talents like Sandine and Lilligren or it's just been a revolving door especially in the forward group or goalies even yeah yeah um, yes. you know what stable goaltending technically has Keith ever had you know he made Jack uh Jack Campbell look like a, a Vesna candidate and now he looks like a ECHL goalie so you know, it's it's there has to be some kudos given to him there. Yes, are you taking to some people's uh, point on Twitter a hundred and five point team and turning him to a hundred and fifteen point team? Absolutely, but it's also hard to sustain such a high level of output. Yeah, over, I guess over so. how many coaches have one hundred and fifteen points? Like you said, the back end they've been so depleted. It's been a revolving door. Um, the fact that they're buying into a system the way they are right now, like it, it's incredible. And the goaltending situation too. Like he's like you said, every year it's a little bit different. So I do really think he needs some credit for getting these people playing in line, playing to his vision. And you know, he's not a first year coach. He's not taking a team from nothing to something. So there's always gonna be those attractors, but he has to be considered because what he's doing right now is really, really impressive. Yeah, and I think this year especially because I think the Leafs have been really lucky in the past with injury. And I know we've had injuries in a handful of times, but not to this extent. No, it's this never crazy. been right down the lineup through literally your forward D and G group. <laughs> like, yeah. Everywhere. Zero days without injury. I feel like I tweet that every game 
every game for the past couple of weeks. Unfortunately, Sandine going down tonight after the Matthews goal. Um, With a neck injury? Neck injury. We have no idea what happened because Sandine was quarterback in the power play since Bunting was in the box. Yep. And I don't know. He just kind of disappeared. And I hope it's nothing bad. There was nothing after the game either. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that you can credit Keefe with doing is like putting together a team that looks like it's not as depleted as it is. And the other thing with the injuries is they've happened early on in a lot of these games. Like he's lost guys out of the lineup during the game. He's played a lot of these with five defensemen or, you know, 11 forwards or whatever it is. So you got to give him some credit for being able to adjust on the fly like that. And to, uh, to like we've said a couple episodes ago, I mean, it's probably longer than that now, but it's not easy to coach stars, right? Like to keep these guys playing in a system when they're the, some of the best players in the world, like that's not easy to do. So that's you got to give them some credit for that too. It's like the whole Bill Belichick thing. You're playing for the team, you're playing in the system and whoever is coming in like next man up type of thing. And that's what they really have going on this year. And that's something they haven't really, really bought into before. Now, we ended the first period on the power play, and that's where we had the five forward power play. And then in the second period, we we were back to our 1D, four forward power play. That power play scores. Marner's in a different position. He's behind the net, kind of feeding guys in front. And luckily, Matthews is able to line up the shot thanks to Marner having the an awesome screen in front, but I'm wondering guys, this five forward group had a ton of chances. They gave me hope more than last game. What do you prefer after seeing some success? Cause I know our power play hasn't been hot. Right. And it's hard to assess when, you know, nothing goes in. <laughs> I think anything that just changes up where you're, you can't be coached against where it's okay. We know they're going to do this, which I feel sometimes as fans, we're always seeing like this looks stagnant. Like I know where the pass is going to a level Mm -hmm. and it's just nice to see it where it's like, you've got Marner up top. Was I a little worried when I think Matthews had it up top and then chipped it around. (laughs) I was like, Oh God, this, uh, (laughs) you know, um, but no, I think anytime you can give a different look and just keep the other team on their heels the whole time and just keep them guessing. That's yet again coaching. Yet again, there we go. Chalk it up. Another testament um, <laughs> to Jack Adams' yeah. candidacy. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's like we we were commenting on, you know, why is Matthews in front of the net, or like why is he now behind the net? But it's it's this exactly what we asked for, right? Like change things up and and find new ways to score. So it's been working now. So I'm I'm not mad at it. And, and speaking yeah, like in front of the net, like go back to what everybody expected before. On that Matthews goal, do you see like where Tavares and uh, Tavares and Marner were? They were both directly right in front of Vasi. Like he had no chance, and that's something we haven't seen before. They were always spread out, and so yeah, whether it's five mm-hmm. forwards or whatever, it's nice to throw a wrinkle in there, and the teams aren't prepared for that, and that's something that Keith is doing this year. 
So later on in the period, Kucherov lays a dirty hit <laughs> on Bunting, drawing a penalty, and we're back to the five forwards. And there were seven shots on net on this power play. I don't think the Leafs have had seven shots on a power play yet this season. Doubtful. But uh, is this not the exact same hit that Kucherov threw on Justin Hall last time that they played Tampa? <sighs> like literally exactly the same, and it wasn't called. Like, are we are we supposed to be surprised by your question? Yeah, no, but like, <laughs> but honestly, like, yeah, it looked like the exact same thing. Like somebody's in the play, and then he just kind of comes in and throws it into the numbers. It's like, what what are you doing? You know that's dangerous, and this is a trend with him. Is every time they start losing or it's things not things are not going his way, he just that's turns exactly to violence, it. and it's if oh he's having a bad game, then you're almost expecting him to do something like that. So since we're on this topic, VI Blues at VI Blue and White on Twitter asks, Kucherov or Kachuk, who is the slimiest 100-point player in the league? I guess we're talking about Matthew Kachuk because Brady's never hit 100. I would say Kucherov because he's not as known for it, and I think he's worse at it. Like, there's a the, the Kachuks just do it for the showmanship and, like, you know, look at me. Kucherov tries to be like, what, I didn't do anything. It's like you know you did. Like, yeah, I feel like there's a difference Kachuk's between. A more... well... Go ahead, Johnny. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say Kachuk is more like he'll flex in somebody's face and get them to do something. Like I'm, I'm just thinking back to Brady and the. I know we were talking about Matthew, but Brady and the. You know when he fucking bit me, like who bites? <laughs> like they're just they're more mouth. Um, Kucherov is is more like emotional anger. He's pissy. Yeah, like Kachuk will do it in your ah. face. You know what he's going to bring, and he does it. But Cooch, he'll go behind the scenes. He'll slash your ankles. He'll do something dirty that's not quite seen, not quite expected. But at this point, I guess it yeah. has to be expected exactly. with him. And he's a lot dirtier about it, I think. What do you think, Chris? Nice I to have think, a different opinion. You know what? I Kucherov, I think, is a consistent dirty player. I think Matthew, and maybe it might be just the inexperience has these peak moments. Like if we remember him with Doughty, um, all of their issues, him jumping on Jack Campbell um, and then suspended even earlier in this season. I, I think he has his moments of just, it's like he just hits a, a fog, a fog and just loses control as where mm-hmm. Kucherov, you're going to get it every game. Even if they are winning, it's those little dirty slashes after the play and Matthew's going to be in your face. And then, these peak moments of, of just where he's like running guys or, or anything such. Do you find Kachuk does it more to like kind of get his team back into it? Whereas Cooch will do it as like a revenge thing because he's pissed off. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Like he's, it, yeah, it's more of like a, I guess if you want to call it a pest, a pest angle to it, but it's just, I, I feel like sometimes it's like, I would never see Kucherov jump on a goalie. Or yeah. um, I can't remember what his suspension was for earlier, but it's just it was another dirty play as well. Um, but I, I both guys, <laughs> both guys are, are bad. At the end of the yeah. day, they're horrible. They're dirt. They're horrible. One will punch you in the face. One will punch you in the back of the head. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I can already hear Bean yelling Kachuk's name because I know he Kachuk! hates the Kachuk brothers. But <clears throat> I agree, Chris. Like, Matt is in your face. You see it coming. This guy, like, you know what to expect. I think Tampa has really learned, and this is a part of their success, how to get away with shit. 
Like it right? happened all playoff series. They they like figured out a way to like do things uh, behind the corner of the cameras without mm-hmm. it seeing like without anyone seeing sort of thing. Like oh, the, this is the blind spot of the ref in a way. And it just I don't know. It happens over and over again. I'm like like are we fucking playing like blind hockey? Like, do we have to put the posters out with Braille again? Like help wanted? Like It's, it's like they, they, and almost to the officials, I feel like even see it, but they get like the benefit of it. Um, I heard it one time where it was like, if it's a younger guy chasing an icing, if they dog it a bit, they're, they're not gonna, they're gonna wave it off. Versus if it's like Mark Giordano, they're yeah. like, okay, yeah, you, you kind of get the benefit of the doubt. I feel like Tampa gets the same thing. If they're, I'm being, like an opposing player, I know Kachuk's going to do something in front of everybody, so I'm less concerned about that. But I'm way more concerned about what Kucherov's going to do behind the scenes type of thing, because his seems to be a lot more, you know, a dangerous type of thing. Well, and I think what bothers me is that they talk about them as you know they they know what it takes to win. It's like stop saying that this like greasy, right. dirty play is what it takes to win. Like I'm not yeah. down for for boarding people and all this shit and like trying to get away with as many hooking calls as you can in a game. Like, fine if this is how they want to win, go for it. But like, let's stop talking about them like they're you know some otherworldly champions. Yeah, coming from well, a team with Corey Perry on their roster, too. You ain't right. winning by taking eight shots through two periods, no. which is the least amount in the NHL this season. <laughs> but one last thing I just want to touch on the second period. JT, all alone, one-on-one versus Vasilevsky, and he pulls it and holds and holds <sighs> until there's nothing, nothing left to hold on to. Nothing. No shot. When he pulled it back, he should have just fucking ripped it. But, oh, it just drives me insane. Like, Literally. you're, you're not going to beat Vasilevsky doing that. And it the last chance he had was right at the end there if he got it up over his pad. But it was way too late at that point. Like, ugh. Too late. That's right. I don't know. God. Or go for the rebound. Like, off the pad. Chip it up JT, on the second chance. JT was all over this game it, it, it's yeah it's painful that he didn't get any stat line for it no or no goals no assists one i have him on fantasy but two it's <laughs> it's mainly more so he was he was all over i think he led forwards in hits with eight with four hits as you mentioned and yep. it just it would have been nice you know if he yeah if he could bury one or, wow. or get something but he was all over it him, him and matthews really showed uh why they're they're beasts in the nhl oh yeah and then also, um, I think it was in the second as well. TJ Brody pulling a classic TJ Brody slide to uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just and that was the best. Ends. Yeah, that was the best part about uh, how they kept Tampa down in the shots. They blocked so many of them. Like it wasn't yeah. as much that they weren't letting them shoot, but they weren't just not letting anything get through to Matt Murray. Like how many blocks did they have? Fourteen to five. The Leafs led. They had shot great blocks. positional Holy. play today. Yeah. Exactly. Like, um, literally, that's the difference between the Lightning being at 33 shots and keeping them at 19. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. But Nemestikov scoring in the third period, but that is okay because two empty netters for the Buds, and they did that really quickly, which is what I appreciate about this. Like, they didn't play with it too long. Like, they were able to break out the puck, win all of the battles, get get it to the center guy, and just get it to the net. 
so nice. I think there is some uh, some credit to be owed to somebody on this podcast who definitely called a Kerfoot empty netter. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> or, sorry, Ingval empty netter. Ingval. Yeah. My apologies there. So the with like, yeah, with about four and a half minutes left, I see the two of them sneaking around and I'm like, hmm, it's two to one. Tampa's definitely pulling the goalie. And Kerfoot and Engvall are probably going to be out there when it's an empty net just to try to <laughs> keep them from getting any shots off. So it's going to be one of these guys for sure. Um, so I tweeted out, Engvall and Kerfoot, empty net are coming up. And sure enough, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> My downstairs neighbors are going to hate me. I just moved. <laughs> be like, what? Is happening upstairs at 11 p.m. every single night. Yeah, the giraffe's such a good so, player. Uh, to have, like, bearing... on an empty net though, because his length is so oh, long, yeah. so he can intercept anything, and his stride is like his first stride is so fast too. So yeah, it was a right? good call, Johnny. Yeah, and it, yeah. I mean he's he's had the stone hands, but when there's nobody in the net, like... <laughs> oh, he's the ultimate hands. Of he stone. can get all the way there. <laughs> and and he can get all the way to the net, and as long as there's no goalie in it, there's nothing stopping him from scoring. So, like you said, that that reach coming in super handy there. Yeah, and uh, sure enough, they try to pull Vasilevsky yet again, and William Nylander walks it in to make it four to one. Which, when you have he forty fu- shots on goal, hmm, I was gonna say he fucking dusted Hedman there too. Oh yeah, like he blew past. <laughs> oh, in the race. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was a sweet on sweet crime right there. <laughs> hey, and a pass pass from a Swede, Yarncroak uh, to Nylander on that one. So Yarncroak picking up a point in his first game back. And yeah, just um, the the 40 shots, if it was a two to one game, that would just look a little um, annoying. And everyone would talk about the Leafs getting goal lead and Vasilevsky this and Vasilevsky that. But the fact that it ended up 4-1, um, even though he wasn't in net for the last two, I think you kind of avoid a bit of that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of fantasy, I part of me wanted more shots on Murray because Same. I have Murray. And oh my God. when you let in one goal on like <laughs> eight shots, shots bud, yeah. like I had both of the plays tonight. <laughs> so I needed the stats to boost up a bit, but Vassy's still pulling out a 947 on tonight with all those shots. Uh, letting in the two, right? Two empty netters and Wait, away she goes. Wait, a post or two. had a 9.47? Yep. They both finished with 9.47. Yeah. That's so funny. That's yeah. why he's oh. the best goalie in the world. <laughs> wow. Wow. So we snapped the five-game win streak. Uh, we give them their to- lowest shot total of the year. Uh, big win. Big win tonight for the Leafs. Absolutely. Uh, should we go to questions? Sorry, I'm just checking our, our thing here. Yes. Yeah. Um, this on Discord, Cali Cartel for Roscoe. This is funny. <laughs> it was a hockey stick emoji, a poop emoji, and an embarrassed emoji. <laughs> just for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying $8 a month for Twitter Blue to change that shit from shit to shot. And uh, if it gets me an extra 15 likes and an extra exposure, great. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, algorithm. 
so the first part of VI Blue's question was just a comment. How awesome was it to see the see them crush the Bolts who are on a heater? Floor Boss also says they're playing well. Mike at Mike V five two seven says, "I think we're gonna get more respect at that handshake line tonight." Oh yeah. <laughs> so sorry. What's the main question of in this? Sorry, Sorry, not a question. Just comments. <laughs> okay, just a comment. Okay, just now comments. to the actual okay. question. Lots of comments tonight. Sorry, guys. Um, Mike, but at it's the hard fanatic. to ask. Nobody cares about asking questions when they win. It's just like, yeah, yeah I know. Let's go. Them, when like, they lose, it's like, what the third. fuck? <laughs> or that... maybe like a non. Maybe I need to have like a prompt for when it looks like oh, yeah. they're winning games, yeah. or because I send it after anyway. If they win, I should have like a something that's not just an open question thing. Anyway. True. Go for it. Um, our buddy Mike the Fanatic, who also writes awesome Inside the Rink articles, uh, asks, was that the Leafs' best effort this year? I feel like they put in a full 60 tonight, and the results just show that. Also, give much-deserved love to Matthew's line. Matthew's in particular, he was a freaking beast in this one. They looked great and were dangerous all night. I think other than like the first uh, five Sadi, minutes of the first period and like the first 10 minutes of the third where they really weathered the storm, that was, you know, top three most completes game they played all year. Yeah, I was going to say I wouldn't give it number one, but it's definitely top three because they have had some really good ones in that streak of uh, 15 uh, games where they got points. And even before that, they've had a couple good ones. I mean, they had those two shutouts. The one performance where Murray had like a almost six goals expected against and had the shutout. I mean, they've had some really good uh, games. So, yeah, it's one of their best ones for sure. It's uh, it's unfortunate that they lost Sandine, but the the way that they're able to rally and uh, and keep everything together, especially against a tough opponent, and make them look like mm-hmm. a you know AHL team tonight, that was great. I think I think Dallas probably that Dallas game I think it was like a five nothing win one mm-hmm. of those shutouts you mentioned that that yeah. was the that I think is the the top upper echelon of, of this team but this game you can't go without notice the, the way they were just able to control the play um, keep them to if they were shooting it were low danger shots it was everything was the outside cutting everything off just the whole team bought in. Um, Aside from that one slip-up from Connor Timmins, uh, just biting a little too hard and on that Nemesikov goal, they yeah. they own them. They own them from, from puck drop. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, probably top five game easily but for even the season then, so like, far. Tampa Bay is a great, great team. So the fact that they let one goal in and still weathered the storm and came back and put two empty nets in, I mean, that says a lot about the character of this team right now and like how they are playing. And yeah, seven games um, in, it's the first negative thing we have to say about Connor Timmons. So, right, um, never a bad or never a bad thing when that is the case. But totally agree about Matthews tonight. Those awesome sick kids skates oh, yes. uh, were super sharp. He clearly was flying. I really liked that he was grinding around the boards, and you could see him getting angry too right giving a little shove and a snarl to his game and usually is kind of like doesn't care about the pushback but tonight i saw that snarl and it was nice and you could tell he wanted another one like he was really hungry for another goal but oh when he busted uh, I, his stick on that shot oh yeah he wanted that so bad 
I was really hoping for JT to score one because I know it's been a little while for him now. But hey, no complaints. What a great game. Hondo P. Um, there was one thing. Oh my gosh, there was something I wanted to talk about and it's slipped my mind now. There was something important about this. And now I don't remember it. It'll come back to me. The trade? Oh, that's it. We didn't talk about the trade. That's what I wanted to do. I realized we started questions before we talked about uh, Dennis Mulligan getting shipped out of town to the Colorado Avalanche for Dryden Hunt, who has played for a number of teams since coming in as an undrafted player, signing in Mm -hmm. 2016 at the age of 22 with the Florida Panthers, um, was signed with the Rangers and then claimed off waivers by the Avalanche earlier this season. So the Leafs are his third team this year. I'm sure you've all seen the clips on Twitter. This is a hard-hitting fourth-line left-wing forward. Um, Not much really here. It's kind of more interesting to me that the Dennis Mulligan thing didn't work. I mean, the guy tried his best. He seemed like he was getting almost there, but just couldn't finish it. So, I don't know. I, I was hoping for more from him, but I feel like a lot of people were getting tired of the experiment. I know Mike, the fanatic, was getting loud about that on Twitter saying we're done with this. <laughs> what, uh, Chris, what do you think? I, I really liked Mulligan's game. I, I liked he, it seemed like he would hit the offensive zone and he would just maintain possession. Um, the right. only thing is, is that I don't think he's a top six guy. He, if we could develop a probably offensive minded, probably third line, which we've, I think struggled in juggling with everyone. He might mold into that kind of role. Um, I worry that a trade like this might see, uh, similar to the player we traded to San Jose, who then like had like 10 points in 10 games and his name slipping my mind. Barabanov? Um, yes, Barabanov. <laughs> Something like that happening now with like Colorado, especially with their depleted forward group. And we traded, you know, eventually Mason Marchman for Dennis Mulligan, who's now doing this. And then it ends with Dryden Hunt, the Wayne better skating Wayne Simmons and in between, you know, Zach Aston Reese kind of player. So mm-hmm. it, it is, you know, bittersweet, but I think it's also them doing right by the player. I think that we've seen mm-hmm. in previous with this regime that that's what they do is they're not going to sit here, hold a guy, keep yo-yoing him in and out of the lineup and maybe give him another opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, from all that I've heard, uh, it seems like both guys were headed for waivers, and this is kind of the two teams doing right by them and saying, hey, do you want to, instead of kind of going somewhere waiver random, go to another high-performing team and have a shot there? So they just kind of flip these pieces that might have a better shot in uh, the opposing team, so... He was never going to yeah, crack I the top good. six here, and he's not quite a bottom line player either. So, you know, if he does go to Colorado and starts putting up points, it's good for him because it's an opportunity for him, but he just was not going to have it here. Uh, with Robertson gone, that's kind of the guy he was going up against, but with Yarny coming back, especially, just there was no room for him whatsoever. Yeah. And funny enough, sorry, one last thing, Steph. He actually makes, uh, and this is. Um, Dryden Hunt actually makes like $14,000 a year more than... I actually don't expect him to play very much at all. I think he's going to be buried in the Marlins. 
I mean, well, I'm, he can't get sound, sent down unless he gets put on waivers. Then so they'll put him on waivers, I think. I don't think the Leafs want to lose him to waivers. Because um, that was kind know, of the whole it, point. They didn't want to lose Mogg into waivers. Yeah, so they wanted something in return, and now we're, it's a really tight game of, you know, it, you don't have a free-for-all call-ups, call-downs, play with the rules sort of thing. Like, now the deadline has passed. We kind of have things set in stone almost. And Dryden Hunt, like from what I saw on Twitter and stuff, like the boomers apparently will love him just for his play. The kid has no hands apparently. but Hey, those he two can... goals I saw from him this year were actually pretty nice. So do you hey, expect that, him to be good, in the press box a lot? Or? 23 goals in the AHL as well. So there is yes. some potential there. And we can send because... Pontus Holmberg down for free, by the way. True. He's waiver exempt. Oh, perfect. Um, but, you know, as long as he can hem the zone and uh, keep the puck in the O zone ready for the four, top six to come out and they can get the cycle going and... Um, now he's second on the team in hits right behind uh, Zach Aston Reese with 58 hits on the season between all of his teams. So, you know, I think Melgan will be a great addition to the to the A's. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Evan Rodriguez, right? They scooped him up really quickly. A guy who we let go as well and fits the same type of profile, like a speedy little winger. I totally agree, Chris. I, I I liked Malgan's game. I had more of an expectation from him. He didn't pan out too well in the top six, but I thought he played well in our bottom six, and he was kind of like a little energy boost at one point. But I don't think we have enough games for the experiment, unfortunately, and we can't wait like 10 more games for two more points. <laughs> so who's our bottom six then? Because uh, we're losing a center in Pontus Holmberg because they have to send him down. He's on emergency loan. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leaves what Joey Anderson, Dryden Hunt, Zach Aston Reese, Wayne Simmons, David Kampf, Pierre Engvall. Like, what do you what do you guys want to see here, Chris? We'll send this to you. What's your bottom six right now? Because we are kind of stuck with Dryden Hunt now. Uh, since we're stuck with Dryden Hunt, I would say probably you would need someone to fill in in one of those center roles, as where Pontus Holberg is. Um, the only other. St- well, the two centers I can think of is Ingval obviously played center a little bit. Um, so I wonder if you pull him off of Camp's line, maybe go Zach Aston Reese, Engvall, and Dryden Hunt, uh, potentially. Maybe flip him around with Joey Anderson. Uh, if it's a more physical game, whether it's Winnipeg or Philly even coming up, where you know you're going to need a, a little step up in physicality. And then you look at probably, I guess, Kerfoot with Camp and... Um, I guess we'll actually probably keep Joey Anderson still in the lineup as well. I I have not hated his game at all. I think he's been one of those little firecrackers that you kind of need down there, and nice to finally see something come from that Andreas Janssen trade from uh, yeah. a few years back. <laughs> no kidding. All right, yeah. um, Steph, you think we're going to see Hunt uh, in the fourth um, fourth line, or is he going to get a healthy scratch? I hope that they play Simmons against Philadelphia because why the hell not? And it's Philly. You might as well have a little reunion. So maybe a little scratch there and then you give the holidays for the kid to get caught up with the system or throw him in with the wolves. I mean, he will get a practice. His first practice will be tomorrow. Um, We'll see. 
my high hopes is for Simmons to play because it's been a little while and I really want him to get a cup, guys. Like <laughs> Simmons, I love him. It's just personal. Like this team has to go all the way. If they couldn't do it for Spezza, for Thornton, you know, now we have Gio and Simmons. We have to do it. So anyways, I'm just going off now. Or but, for Marlowe. Yeah. Or Marlowe, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Sadi, what do you think? Bottom six. Now that we got Dragon. Yeah, I think Hunt. he's gonna be rotating with Simmons, that type of thing. I think he's gonna be watching a lot of games, eating popcorn type of thing. But you know, with the tenacity that he plays with and the hits, there is a spot for him on the bottom lineup. And you know, if he proves himself, then you could actually carve out a little spot for him there. Yeah, honestly, I think the the best thing to compare him to is like a younger Wayne Simmons. Like he's somebody that's yeah. gonna just hit everybody. He's a pain in the ass and he scores the odd goal. So, and whenever yeah. he scores, you're like, oh shit, this guy can score too. Like, it's spaced out enough. Shit that like, goals. That's true. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got Dryden McKay and Dryden Hunt now. Yeah. Must have been a popular it's a good depth addition. Yeah. And I mean, they they like collecting guys that uh, play multiple positions. And I mean, Hunt is listed as left and right wing. So mm-hmm. there's very few guys on this team that only play one thing. And speaking of Leafs, um, while we're still kind of talking about Leafs, I just want to say that unfortunately we found out the news today that um, on Sunday, Vaughn, um, just north of Toronto, a little suburb of Toronto, there was a mass shooting within a condominium where five people died, and one of those victims happened to be the grandfather of Victor Mete. Super sad. This is a crazy story, which I've seen speculate all weekend long about the shooter and such, but the little nitty-gritty details, it all fell down to... The building's condo board had a case where they lost and three of the five victims were on the board. So they're having a big beef in this building about whatever the hell they're fighting about and killing each other. And unfortunately, it has affected all of these lives. Victor Bette, I feel so bad. He's off on IR. Now he has to deal with this shit. That's so tragic. I kind of miss the news and and how much has been going on with, you know, still unpacking here. But um, yeah, when when it was announced that one of the victims was Mete's grandfather, I looked at the whole thing, and it's just just an insane story. Not something you normally hear out of uh, Ontario or Canada. You know, thoughts and best wishes out to everyone who was affected by this. Hundred percent. Yeah, there's there's definitely more appropriate ways of dealing with conflicts in the world, and you know, something like this is never the answer really for anything. Um, yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, the shooter was 73 years old. Jeez. So it's not like it was young people at it. Um, I believe all of the victims were beyond 60. Uh, grandfather was 79. Like Eish. Toronto has just been getting bad guys. Like, did you guys see someone roaming around downtown just cutting people in the face? And what? then on the subway line, there was a huge attack on the main, like at nine o'clock in the morning on Monday. And Jeez. then there's another person stabbing people with needles on sidewalks. Like it's it's insane. I'll stick to boring Ottawa. Thanks. Yeah, yeah that's why I choose to live far away from the city. <laughs> Calm down and love each other here. 
Yeah. Okay. Sharp right turn. We're going to talk um, <clears throat> about the standings real quick before we get out of here because um, I don't know about you guys, but this is going to be my last episode because I'm uh, going to be on the road on Thursday during the game, unfortunately. So I won't be able to uh, be doing one there. So around this time at the break, um, I think the stat is something like 80% of the teams that are in playoff spots will still be there. So let's go through the East and West and do our picks of who are the, uh, the one or two teams that we think are going to not have their spots anymore. Sound good? Mm, yeah. Okay, okay, so let's start here. The Eastern Conference. For the Metro, we've currently got Carolina, New Jersey, and Pittsburgh. I did not realize Carolina passed New Jersey. Holy shit. They're on a six-game winning streak, and Jersey's on a four-game losing streak. I missed that. This is why you check these things, guys. Up by two points. <laughs> yeah. The game tonight determined who would be in the lead um, of the Metro. And Carolina pulled through. So wild. Yeah. They are... Blackwood is now activated off IR, by the way, guys. Fancy. Oh. <laughs> yep, I've got him. But uh, honestly, I think I dropped him because Vanacek has pretty much solidified himself as the starting goalie. Um, yeah. Carolina is 9-3-1 at home and 11-3-5 away. That's crazy. Uh, also, the one of the only other teams that have lost six games in overtime, like the Leafs. Which yeah. is wild. Um, Philadelphia has lost seven and Detroit has lost seven. Anyway, I'm getting distracted here. So Carolina, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Boston, Toronto, Tampa. Then the Islanders and Rangers tied for mm-hmm. uh, the wild card spots there. Or do I have to refresh my page? Has it changed? No, you also have Washington with 38 points too. So they're right there with the Islanders. Oh, we, sorry. Mm-hmm. I did, yeah, that's what I meant. The Islanders and Rangers are not tied. Islanders and Washington are tied. Rangers have the other spot. Yeah. So it's all Metro <laughs> in wildcard positions. Wait, you're telling me Ottawa isn't going to win everything? <laughs> Ottawa <Sorry>. is currently 14-16-2 with 30 points. With well, according to some you know Twitter, what? they of were all better the teams than the Leafs. Bottom, so... Don't tell Mark Mathot. They have, I'll give them this, of all the teams in the East with a negative goal differential, they're the only ones with a single digit goal, uh, negative goal differential. <laughs> True. I love that our prediction of Boston barely making it, they're leading. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, just that one hurts. a fucking wagon. 839 point percentage. Get out of here. Okay, so four which two teams do we think? That's insane. Yeah, one of 25, those things to us. And two. Get out of here. So dirty. Uh so, so who's who's not making it here? Islanders. Well, we know Columbus is. No, I, I mean, think... I'm talking of of the ones in the, the playoff spots. Two of them, we'll say, are not going to make it. Who do you think those two are going to be that fall off? And we can include Washington with the Islanders and Rangers. I think the Islanders are the fall off team because they need help up front. Uh, they have a scoring problem, in my opinion. They do have awesome goaltending and they can hit. They can play a solid defensive game, but I don't think they will have the offense to keep the wild card spot. I have to agree there. Chris, what do you think? I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say there's no changes. 
Okay. I don't Ooh. think because I think whoever's gonna fight is gonna be for that final wild card spot, and I don't think Washington has it. I don't think they have really any pieces, and I could see them almost selling some pieces at the deadline. I completely I don't... disagree because I think Ovechkin Ooh, came out and said like he's not go. interested in a rebuild. He's not interested in a retool. He wants his last couple of years to be, you know, cup driven teams. So I think Washington is actually going to make some moves towards the deadline, and I think they will overtake the Islanders. I think a pro for them as well is that Backstrom is back at pra- practice after not playing this season, oh and boy. that will definitely improve their first line, which is centering Dylan Strom right now. Or Kuznetsov, I guess they moved him down to the second line just mm-hmm. to even out the scoring. But I do love their addition of Sonny Milano. I think um, with time, that kid only gets better. Um, Nick Albay-Kubel, remember him? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at their lineup here. But uh, honestly, I think they have more of a scoring power than the Islanders. So that's my pick. And I... who will take their spot, guys? Buffalo. You think so? You it's think all they can Buffalo, maintain? baby. So the ones that the ones to watch are Buffalo and Florida, right? Like Florida being uh, under yeah. 500, basically. They're 15, 14, and 4 is weird. If they can pick it up in the second half of the season, they're going to steamroll up to that wild card spot and even start pushing at Tampa if they don't yeah. uh, pass the Leafs. So, like, they're, it's totally doable. I mean, like, if you look at the lineup, there's no reason they can't. They just haven't really found it yet with the new guys there. Mm-hmm. Buffalo has just been mm-hmm. really hot and cold, but when they're hot, like, they're on a four-game winning streak right now. Um, their record at home is not great, but on the road, they're 9-6. and six. So if they can keep that up and improve things at home, like, man, they've got some really good power there. Like, Tage Thompson has just been, I don't want to do this, but he's been great this year. Um, same Skinner. <laughs> same with Skinner. Same with Tuck. Same with everybody there. So the young guys. Um, the Islanders have great goal. Yeah, exactly. Right. The Islanders have great goaltending. If I just they we saw this last year. I I think it only gets them so far. I think they're going to drop off. Um, the Rangers. This is where it gets tough because I didn't expect Pittsburgh and New Jersey to be in these spots. Right. So the, no. the Metro is uh, is a lot tighter than than I think anybody expected it to be because they've been really like last year it was it was Carolina and then everybody else essentially. Which well, is crazy to put this way to put this way like the Islanders and Carolina or I guess Washington as well are separated by eight points. Like that's such an easy swing as where yeah. Buffalo yeah. Buffalo's what seven points out and they have a game in hand. Yeah, their division so much harder. That. Yeah, they, so if there's going to be change, there's definitely movement there. I I personally just think you have Shosturkin and Sorokin holding down those spots, and Washington's goaltending is just it's just shoddy right now. Like you have, I think yeah. Kemper's just coming back, but even when he was healthy, they weren't good. Yeah. Kemper um, is Jack Campbell 2.0. <laughs> just saying. That's that's the only thing I worry about, and then um, you know. We'll see if Tom Wilson comes back this year. I have him on IR and fantasy, so I'll take it if he does. Um, nice. But it's one of those things. I just I don't know where Washington gets it. I, I just 
I can't see it. I feel like they're such an all-in team for the deadline, though. So that's the one thing I think they have going for them. But like Chris, you're absolutely right. With their sh- like shoddy goaltending right now and everything else, it's at this point it's hard to see. Like I could see so say wait. like yeah, same point. I feel like Islanders could add scoring too. Like if that's what they know they need mm-hmm. and they they have it, it's you know are they in on someone like Bo, Bo Horvat to help them down the middle? Do you think Lou does um, that though? It's... Who no. knows what Lou's thinking at the time? I don't know. I think with a player <laughs> like Ovechkin, like you want to give him the most opportunity at this stage of his career. So that's why I think they have that going for them. Speaking of Ovechkin, Matthews and Ovi have the same amount of goals since 2016 and 2017. Did Ovi score tonight? Because Matthews Before scored tonight. tonight. So I don't know. <laughs> Okay, uh, so the race is on. Let's go. Guys, Columbus but, has a um, minus 43 goal differential. Yeah, it's terrible. That's abysmal. How do you have 130 goals against? Uh, go, look go, at Anaheim, right? go look at Anaheim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> minus 56. <laughs> Guys, what is gonna, going on? <clears throat> touch on IR for one sec. Uh, the Canes have a secret weapon also sitting and waiting named Match- Max Patches Pacioretty. So he's if he turns play. out, I think he's going to play before the playoffs. Just a little bit before the playoffs, about a month or so. If he comes and... back, he's going to be like two points a game guaranteed, but I don't think he's going to come back this year. He's supposed to. I have him on my IR. <laughs> but... Okay. I, think I had him. Florida, he played a total of twenty-seven games or something last year. Like, well, <sighs> he could be a difference maker for that yeah, team for to push games. them over the edge. And I think Florida will really take a jump after the holidays, um, right. especially with Bobrovsky. His numbers are getting better. I had to drop his ass about a month ago because it was just torture for me on fantasy. But he's been posting over 900 save percentages for the last week or so, especially since Knight has been out. So I think it gets better for them. Buffalo worries me with their bottom six, even though mm-hmm. Victor Golovson Olofsson is on the third line right now. I don't know. It's, something's unsettling to me about Buffalo. Like, I enjoy their top six, but nothing more besides Craig Anderson because he's just a, a great goalie <laughs> still being so old. But anyway. I'm just looking at my uh, my preseason predictions to see how close I was, and the I think the team that I'm the most off on is New Jersey. I had them seventh in the Metro. <laughs> I had New York Rangers. Everybody else, I'm not trophy. mad on. I had so them first the in Metro. So, um, so the West, the West is a little um, more set because once you move from the wild card spot, it gets into like danger territory. <laughs> yeah, uh, the points are close, but like. The teams are not doing well. So Central, we've got Dallas, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Pacific, uh, Vegas, LA, Seattle. Vegas and Seattle. Like, (laughs) I predicted Vegas as a comeback team this year. You did. I will hang my hat on that all year. But Colorado, Edmonton, Calgary, St. Louis. I know it's only three-point difference, but... I don't know. I, I expect, you know, Colorado or Edmonton to be in that 45 point position instead of 36. And I, yeah, Dallas is a little surprising to me, but 
they've gotten a lot better. And even Winnipeg's on a hot streak right now. Like, oh, yeah. really hot. Josh Morrissey's on a 10-game point streak. Just saying. Calgary to me is the biggest, like, question mark. Why are they not higher right now? This team has everything they need to be what they were kind of last year and a lot better. So to see them sitting, like, two points out of the wild card spot, it's incredibly surprising for me. What they don't have what is, the, is the play. I was going to say LA. It's it's crazy that they're holding the second wild card. Or sorry, Pacific spot with a negative yeah. 10 goal differential. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but to your point about Jonathan Calgary, quick, I think it's just, it's just the lack of Jakob Markstrom. I think that's the biggest difference maker. Um, yep. is he yep. just has not been that like top 10 goalie in the league caliber this mm-hmm. season and he himself is, has said it in interviews. So, yeah. They yeah. are also sitting at under 100 goals for, which if you look at the teams that are in every playoff position, only Colorado. So how does Colorado have 91 goals for and 81 goals against? Everybody else is in the hundreds and 90s. Like, it's crazy look how at tight the central. their games must have been. Yeah. We have central, Minnesota, 89. Yeah. Winnipeg, 81. Dallas, No, I'm 91. talking... Their goal, Colorado's goals four don't make sense. Oh, sorry, like, I'm looking in the wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my bad, but, guys. My bad, my bad. Yeah, it's that's the only thing I'll say about Calgary is like, yeah, they haven't had great goaltending, but like they're also not getting the scoring that they were last year, where it was like, you know, Andrew Manjapani had like 30 goals up until Christmas. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Took them a while to get going. Uh, Huberto, you know, transitioning into his new team. Uh, Kadri as well. Like, they they made huge changes, adding Uyghur. Like, new system. Sutter is a whole different story. And then there was the whole thing about, you know, Lindholm and Huberto not connecting because Huberto passes the puck super fucking hard. And it was too, mu- too hot <laughs> oh, to handle for Lindholm for a yeah. while. And like but, losing, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, LA, you know, bringing up Phoenix Copley now, waving Cal Peterson. We we're just seeing if he works out for them because Quick is kind of like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes he's great, <laughs> right? So I don't know. It's really, I feel like it's too soon still because it's so close with points. I don't. It's so hard well, to say. I mean, we'll put it this way. The Seattle, LA, and Minnesota would not be in playoff positions if they were in the Eastern Conference. So no. the West sucks this year. <laughs> I think it's Seattle is a team to watch the fall off. It's it's crazy how it's flipped. Where like probably four or five years back, it was the West was the you know the hard the hard yeah. uh, division, and and it's just it's a pain to make, and the East is easy, and now it's just yeah. You know, I feel like with the Leafs, it's like in the Atlantic, it's great. But I'm like, it's like Blue Jays baseball. We got the Yankees in Boston all the time. Like, it's just. Mm-hmm. That's exactly <laughs> what the Atlantic's becoming. Yeah, there's just, it's just not fun. Especially with this playoff format. Uh, yeah, give us like Nashville format. or something in Minnesota in the first round or something fun like the West gets. So Dallas, Winnipeg, Minnesota, I think they're all pretty much solidified there. Winnipeg's been really turning things around after a couple of rough seasons of identity crisis, I'll call it Dallas. Yeah. I mean, Jason Robertson and Rupe and everybody are just on fire. Um, Minnesota, same deal with Kaprizov. 
Vegas, they just have too many good players to, to fail this year, even though Eichel's hurt again. And I think it's, it's going to be... Yeah, true. Um, I think LA and, LA yeah. and Seattle are going to start dropping, and you're going to see Colorado, Edmonton, and Calgary start to move up into their spots. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, I think Seattle, LA, gone. Edmonton, yeah. Colorado. Yeah, just like you said. Um, the one that's going to be interesting is that last wild card spot, because if you take the two of them out, uh, you get Colorado and... Oh, are Edmonton and Calgary Central? Pacific. Or, or they're, they're both Pacific, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they'll take those two spots, and then that leaves a wild card spot open. So who do you think is going to take that one? Do you think LA and, or Seattle can hold on to a, the last wild card spot? I LA more than Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. I hope I Seattle know. just because they've never been to the playoffs before, and it would be history for them so. i think it'd be fun for them they've also got a higher uh, points or yeah point percentage right now by quite a bit than uh, la does so i think it'd be fun to see them uh, and what kind of fanfare they can put on for uh, the playoffs it'd be fun i think what's more interesting is the fact that like st louis and nashville and vancouver are all just bottom feeders like just there's no chance at this point yeah. yeah, yeah, especially for Vancouver at this point, I think. Like, St. Louis, they're 33 points. I know they might have, but even then, like, they're looking to trade Ryan O'Reilly, so I think they're kind of jumping ship at this point. Well, St. Louis is where they are being on a four-game winning streak. Exactly. Like, take those, you know, eight points away, and they're, you know, right down with, with Arizona. So it's only, yeah. if they're trying to lose, they're doing it badly, basically. Mm-hmm. yeah um another fantasy secret weapon that is just a bruin in the ir evander kane once he comes back watch out edmonton will go on a huge streak and especially if the goaltending gets their shit together they're gonna be a really good team Besides yeah half the i guess secondary scoring is outrageous Let's finish on that. So I'll throw this to you, Chris. Um, Stuart Skinner signs an extension with the Edmonton Oilers. Do we think this is a panic button because they're unsure of what they did with Jack? Or is this a, uh, you know, just trying to lock down a really good backup goalie? I think it's locking down a good backup goalie and a promising goalie. Uh, The concern is that you for Edmonton is you got rid of Miko Koskinen and added Miko Koskinen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I already yeah. saw, I think, people posting uh, his buyout. If it were to happen, uh, I think they'd be stuck at like $5 million for the next three seasons. And yet again, I don't know if Connor McDavid wants $5 million chewed up by a goalie who's not playing for them. No uh, fucking way. It's, nope, nope, not at all. So I don't know. It's similar to the Vancouver situation with what's going on there with bad contracts. It just, it doesn't make sense in Edmonton. I, I like the Stuart Skinner signing. I think um, he will be their starter, but it just, it pains when you have Jack as your $5 million backup. It's starting to look like the, the Florida Sergei Bobrovsky situation when they signed up to 10 mil and then they went, Oh shit, you're going to have some bad years. We did not know that was going to be a thing. So now they're just going to have to kind of ride it, and they're spending almost eight million dollars, seven point six, on goalies. 
Like, I mean, if you yeah. want to fill out your roster and help Connor McDavid out, that's not a good place to be spending a ton of money. Like, I know the Leafs are spending a lot, but that's on a tandem. The Leafs are spending a million dollars less on a 1A, 1B tandem. And I would not call Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell a 1A, 1B. That's a start and a backup. <laughs> no. When your mm-hmm. 2.6 goaltender is way outperforming your 5 million goaltender, that's that's a big problem. You don't want soup or stew? Uh, it's usually good on the menu, but in Edmonton, <laughs> it's a little cold. So, uh, I mean, stew is a lot gazpacho, better there. I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's yeah. always looking like gazpacho out in Edmonton these days. Stew, even though they've had troubles this year, he's still nine fifteen on the season. Last year, thirteen games, nine thirteen. Um, this is a dream come true for him. He's from Edmonton. He's riding out an entry level contract. Just got paid two, going up to two point six a year for the next couple of years in his hometown, playing with superstars Connor McDavid and company. Damn, this guy's living his NHL dream. So I'm happy for him, but at the same time, of course, we love Jack Campbell. Everyone knows I love Jeff Campbell, but uh, hopefully, he has a good holiday. Has a good nice rest, pet the cats a little, and get back to it. Because, Jack, I hate to see you so miserable. Yeah, like he looks so sad in every pick and like every interview. He just looks like a whole new person. And I hate that for him. Well, I mean, no offense, but do you see? Shittiest defense in the whole league. Like, like give credit to Stu. Like, how many 30 plus (laughs) shots a game has he had where he's, you know, like three goals from under? But Jack Campbell is just falling under that. Yeah, and I mean, not to slam the Oilers, but like I don't see them as a team that, you know, when Jack has a good game, they're going to be showering him with water bottles when he comes in the dressing room and giving him a belt. And, you know, those guys are pretty emotionless, like from the top down, because it starts with the leadership, and the leadership there is pretty cold. I mean, McDavid hasn't exactly been a great interview in his years there. And, I mean, to his credit, he's had a pretty frustrating couple of years in Edmonton, so... He's gone in it's, two or three. It's years. not really the environment that we've known Jack to thrive in, we'll say. So and, yeah. and Tavares gets dinged for being a robo captain. So <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to to I the credit of that, you also have line. you have Matthews who's, you know, like we've talked about previously, is kind of the opposite. Like the they do the I wouldn't say it's good cop, bad cop, but it's like the substitute teacher effect with Matthews where it's like, ah, uh, you know, we're going to have, gonna have some fun until, until JT comes back. Oh, he's, he's like here. a de facto yeah, leader. Yeah. Yeah. He's the, mm-hmm. he's the cool, the cool teacher. Do you guys teacher. know who got the, cool the belt tonight? No, he was bunting. Bunting. Nice. He should have. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Nice. Oh yes. Nice. First time. Is it this year? Yeah. Probably. First or second. I think so. They always seem to be giving it to like supporting cast for a lot of the time. Like who, some of those guys who've been just working hard. Mm. Yeah, like Sammy said, I got yeah. shut out. He got goal. I no get belt. <laughs> Better work harder. I'm gonna sleep with it. Oh boy. Oh, oh yeah, that, that was note. the best. I love his interviews. On that, um. Oh, I have a today in hockey history, but it's not a today in hockey history. It's a yesterday in hockey history. Give it to us. Do any of you know what it might be? I yesterday feel like I do. Marked the anniversary 
of the league we call the NHL. As 105 years ago, I believe, oh. it was 105 years ago yesterday, the very first NHL games were played between the uh, Montreal Wanderers and I'm doing Toronto. this off the top of my head, the Toronto Arenas, I think, and then the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. And the Toronto lost, what, 10 9? Like, yeah, it was like 9 8. <laughs> Fun fact. Something. I can go and then the next game in that was Auto Arena. Really high. Ooh. Wait, yeah, they open it? up in the winter for skateboarding. That's cool. Yeah. The one in Lansdowne. Oh, right. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, in Christmas markets. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a, a good one. Thank you for having me. So where pleasure. can people find you? A little, do a little self-plug. A little self-plug? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter. I uh, love spending my uh, time that I should be working <laughs> on there. Just, uh, <laughs> just chatting with everybody, putting my own two cents worth in on what I think I like with the team and what's going on. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at actually I don't even know my own handle. Oh, Chris underscore Hurley ten on Twitter. Sweet. Nice. Follow Chris. Uh, anybody want to sign off with anything here? I think we just want to say all. that Argentina has won the World Cup. Oh, cool. It's called yeah. soccer. Good for Messi. Yeah. I'm. Did you call Messi? Messi. <laughs> what? Oh, I thought you were doing like a, a Spanish accent there. So with that um, winning post on Instagram, um, it becomes the most liked post ever with over 60 million likes. Cool. Soccer. Oh, yeah. So cool. Okay. Anything it's fucking that's football. like the biggest champion, the biggest championship of the biggest sport, we'll call it, in the world, and you're going to decide it on fucking a shootout come on even the nhl doesn't do that and the nhl is like the worst managed national league sport yeah <laughs> you have the same guy take three shots score three goals too yeah like i just i don't understand and i get it people are it's the game whatever i just as somebody that is getting into it it's very hard to get into it when it's like what, what do you mean we're just going to do this like the goalie has no chance i've played soccer that's the thing. I didn't play hockey growing up. I played soccer growing up. I enjoy playing soccer. I don't watch it. That's a very, very, very um, big distinction there. Like, I don't know. Whatever. I think I think for soccer, a certain thing that got me into it more was starting to watch TFC more. Because it, the TFC and, and the MLS level of soccer is like the OHL of of soccer it's literally like no defense whatsoever so so games are like four two yeah. um and then they're also a little more physical than like what you would see in, in typical european soccer so um and it was a little get, more enjoyable and, and you get to see old stars and toronto had a good run a couple years ago yeah that, that really got uh me into it no that's fair i mean i i went to actually the first tfc home game and it was pretty fun like just the energy of uh, the stadium and everything. Like I get it. Um, just watching it on TV. I tend to not enjoy it that much. Cricket is one that I want to try to get into. It was, it was pretty cool, but I don't know how the hell to find that on TV. I can barely find a leaf game on TV. Yeah. 
Um, usually Indian channels will have cricket or the zone or something. I'll have to get exactly. Omni TV. <laughs> it's on some streaming sites, I'm sure. Uh, or Australian. I can ask, uh, hey, yes. Luke Man and Sarah and uh, other Aussies, please send me wherever I can watch cricket because I want to do that. Cool, cool, cool. It's so random. It's not <laughs> random. I'm talking about other sports. That is. Oh, okay, out. fine. Fine. Here's something that's not random. If you guys haven't already seen this, go and look up the billboard in Dubai that they, I think it's Adidas has. Maybe it's Nike. I think it's Adidas for um, the World Cup. I'll send it to you guys in the group. It's insane. It's like a billboard that's electronic and the size of a skyscraper. And it's like a 3D hologram of Messi like winning and holding the World Cup. It's it's nuts. Like, I've oh. never seen anything like this. Like, imagine it's it, instead of a billboard, it's like the entire side of a building size. Like, it's massive. And it's like a 3D hologram image on it like it nuts i think Absolutely i saw nuts. that with like a whale coming through with, yeah it's amazing what you can do with dubai money i know right? yes <laughs> just make yes make Golf anything money. a reality yeah yeah unlimited <laughs> unlimited okay well thanks everybody for tuning in have a great night um, and a great holiday break, as I said. Unless you guys want to do one Thursday, sans me, uh, we out of here until the new year. Happy holidays! Well, oh, there's year. games when, before that. When is the next game after Christmas? Twenty seventh. Twenty seventh. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna be in Coburg. I mean, I did one from there last year. Um, yeah, with when, Ed. Yeah, I I can probably dad. do that do that again and then um i'm back the 29th same yeah okay join our discord and you'll be posted yeah exactly (laughs) thanks everybody and we out where's my there it is Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Are you seeing this thing? Like, that's cars oh, yeah, that's driving by it. That is Check massive. Out Look at our merch, guys, if you're on video. Woo!